to Denver Sports Tonight. Taking a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. From your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. DenverSports.com. And it is Denver Sports Tonight on this Tuesday night in the Mile High City. He's James Raylott. I'm Will Peterson. We will roll with you for the next hour on this snowy, depressing April evening, James. It's going to be 80 degrees a week from today. I mentioned that to the fellas near the end of the drive, and the only thing I'm bummed about is are we going to get spring, James, or is it just going to go straight from cold to hot? I, I need tweet. I need spring. Hot. 80 degrees is hot. 80 degrees is hot. 90s is summer. I want some 60s for 30 days. 60s is cold. 70s. Let's settle on 70s. All right, I'll meet you in the middle. Yeah, uh, to me, the perfect weather, it's the same with fall, right? We get it, 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 When I'm coaching football, I feel like I go from just baking in the sun to it's freezing cold. Like, it, there's there's very little uh, in between. That 70-degree day, 75-degree day where it's like shorts and a sweatshirt, that's perfect. Mm, that sounds nice. That's what I want. That's right. what I want. Well, we're going to get that over the weekend. But, of course, James... The big news of the day that kind of comes out of nowhere, and we will give credit where it is due uh, to our buddy and our friend and our insider from 9 News, Mike Kliss, gets John Elway on the phone, and John lets him know that he has officially departed from a formal role with the Denver Broncos. So it truly is, James, the end of an era today as John Elway, who's been with the team, uh, he obviously took a break in the middle between player and executive, but from 1983 until a few weeks ago, 40-year stretch, other than the time he was running the Colorado Crush after retirement and before he got the GM job on January 5th, 2011, John Elway is the most iconic figure in Broncos history, and we find out today that it's uh, it's the end of his time, likely forever, uh, in any sort of official capacity with the Broncos. Yeah, and, you know, obviously the most iconic person in Broncos history. I, I said this when I was on with the fellas earlier today. I, I think it's he's the most iconic person in the history of the state. Mm. I, I don't even know that it's particularly close. May 2nd will be the 40th anniversary of the trade that brought, brought John away from the Colts to the Broncos. The franchise has never been the same since in almost all good ways, right? Like, I mean, went to five Super Bowls as a player, won two, uh, got him to two Super Bowls, won one as the GM. Just a huge impact. It's a sad day, probably a necessary day. I think it's I think it's time for John to move on and do some other things, but um, doesn't mean it's not a sad day and, it, and it's not a big, big chapter in Denver sports history that, uh, that officially closed today. Um, but I, I think John deserves a ton of credit. Um, for what he did as GM, obviously the, his final five years were not uh, were not good. Um, after the Super Bowl, it just was a mess. It was a guy that, uh, in my opinion, he accomplished his goal. He got to get up there and say, "This one's for Pat," and I think that was uh, a mission for him. And then once he accomplished that, he was a little aimless. I, I think he took his eye off the ball. I think he uh, was retired, but didn't necessarily know it, and spent way too much time in Coeur d'Alene and Tahoe and Santa Barbara and whatever. Um, but that doesn't diminish what he did after taking over following the Josh McDaniels debacle. Uh, he got the Broncos back to being the Broncos, and he deserves a ton of credit for that. Here's what John told Mike Kliss today, quote, I've enjoyed the relationship with the Broncos for a long, long time. I told Greg, talking about owner and CEO Greg Penner, I'd be happy to be a resource for him and help in any way that I can. I just wanted the flexibility. They are in great hands. 
I still plan on being around to watch and be a resource for Greg or George if I can. He went on to say, I've been with the Broncos for so long that it was nice to have some sort of connection, which is what I wanted. I didn't want an obligation. I'm getting a little older. I want to be able to do some things I haven't done. I'm ready to have a flexible schedule. If there's something I can help them with, I'd do that. So the way I read this, James, is as Mike reported, John's consulting contract expired at the end of the 2022 league year with the 2023 league year starting just a few weeks ago. John got out in front of this, met with Greg, and basically they, I think, probably mutually decided it was for best, the best for both sides. For John, again, that flexible schedule, not an obligation, and for Greg and the Broncos to to really um, close the door sounds harsh, but John Elway is iconic with the Pat Bolin era of this team. This is yet another significant step that the Walton Penner family ownership group uh, runs this team. They own this team. And John Elway and Joe Ellis, who ran it for almost a decade after Pat had to step away with his health issues, are both no longer involved in the organization. Yeah, it's a little bit of an interesting statement from John because, I mean, Man, his schedule the last two years since he stopped being the GM and George Payton was brought in here, uh, it's it seemed pretty flexible, right? Like, how much uh, day-to-day responsibility was there? How much having to be there at 7 a.m. and stay until 7 at night was there? I mean, I guess he had to be there probably during the draft, so there's three days where you were committed. Um, he wasn't there every day. At least we didn't see him every day during camp, so there wasn't that obligation. He certainly wasn't around during the weeks a lot of times. He would fly from Coeur d'Alene to Kansas City for the game or wherever. So that part of it strikes me as a little odd. My interpretation of that, and this is just me reading between the lines, is the Walton Penner family ownership group wasn't going to pay him to be John Elway. And if you want to have a you get a paycheck, you're going to have a job, and you're going to come in here and work. And at this point, that's not something John wants to do. I understand that from both sides, but that's my interpretation of uh, of what we heard from John there. You and I have the exact same gut on this, that John Elway is no longer on the Broncos' payroll, right? right. And yeah. because he's no longer on the Broncos' payroll, because he's a good guy and he won three Super Bowls with them and he loves and cares about this organization, he's always a phone call away. But no one's going to tell John Elway where to be, when to be, what to do, unless John's getting a cut of that. And it was abundantly clear, like you said, on both sides, that they probably weren't going to pay him just to be John Elway. And he wasn't going to show up for the draft unless he was getting compensated. So it just made sense to, to mutually part ways. And it was it was probably time. Like I think in this industry, there's so many things that we want to have a really strong opinion on. And, and I, obviously that's important. There are 99% of the things do deserve a strong opinion. I think, to me, James, at least, this is in the 1% of, like, I think this is best for John, and I think this is best for the Broncos, and I can applaud John and and love him for everything he's done for this city and this team, and I can also see why Greg Penner made the decision to say, yeah, you're probably not going to be on payroll anymore. Yeah, I mean, to some extent, the last two years, John has had his cake and ate it, too, right? Like, he didn't want the the responsibility and, in large part, the criticism anymore that came with being the GM, so they brought in George Payton to do that, but he still wanted the cool parts of it, right? You know, it, it, walking around before the games and flying in and, you know, uh, walking through the tunnel and walking around on the field and being, you know, treated like you're uh, you're running the show and still getting a pretty hefty paycheck. Like, his gig the last two years was pretty sweet. No responsibility, really. Certainly no criticism. And, uh, and, and the checks kept coming. So 
I think at some point that was going to that, that gravy train was going to stop. And I think rightfully so. Plus, you know, you, we remember back b- before the sale went down, there were all sorts of conversations that John Elway wanted to be involved in it. Yep. Very and true. And there are a lot of partners involved with that ownership group. And John Elway isn't one of them. My guess is there was um, that that probably didn't uh, set well and probably led to some uh, some, you know, hurt feelings, for lack of a better expression. And I think it was just a group that realized they you know, probably didn't want to work together or need to work together. And they just didn't see things the same way. So um, it was time for John to walk away. Frankly, it was time for John to walk away two years ago when he said he didn't want to be the GM anymore. That, that, which was fine. But, but James, you remember how that was framed, right? It was that John John said on an interview that he was, quote, moving upstairs, yeah, as if he wasn't already upstairs, but he was moving further upstairs to be the president of football operations, and George Payton was the GM. So two years ago, I mean, he still assumed a title that that's the same title Joe Sackick has today. That's the same title Tim Connolly had before he left, so... We might be on little different timelines there that, that I don't know if I totally agree with you two years ago. Yeah, but, uh, you know, when the when the abs don't make a move at the trade deadline, we're all talking about what what's Joe Sackick doing, right? And when the Nuggets would make moves, it was Tim Connolly who gave, you know, the big contracts to Michael Porter Jr. and uh, to Jamal Murray. It, 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 they still had that responsibility. Nobody felt for the last two years that John was doing any of that stuff. Nobody blamed John for signing Randy Gregory. Nobody blamed John for uh, a, a draft pick that didn't that didn't go well. Nobody blamed John for the trade for Russell Wilson. Right, but James, that's when he was a consultant, right? Like twenty twenty one, he was the president. Twenty twenty two, he was the consultant. So he did he did go three titles in three years. He went GM in twenty to president in twenty one to consultant in twenty two to nothing in twenty three. Yeah, but man, that year he was a president. He was not around very much. I didn't. Did you feel like this past season his presence was less than that year? Uh, I just don't. I felt like the Russell Wilson trade was the strongest indication yet that George Payton was running the show. Whereas I guess I didn't have totally those same vibes in twenty one, and maybe that's just a me thing. But I felt like it was sort of the line in the sand of this was George's show. Maybe because that was the first massive move he had made. I understand he. He technically did the Sutton and Patrick contracts, but that was when John was still in the building. At least that's how my understanding of things Yeah, but don't, things don't, don't you remember when they drafted Sertan, how we were all surprised when we saw the video that John was in there and that John was get, he was getting a thumbs up from John and asking John for approval on the pick? Like, we were all shocked by that. We're like, what? I didn't think he was doing that anymore. I didn't think he was involved with that anymore. I, I just – I have the recollection of when he stopped being the GM, he, you know, basically – promoted himself and had a you know title that sound sounded good and made big money but had a heck of a lot less responsibility i just feel like it's been george payton's show for two years Ah, and that's fair and and i guess the on a day like today the bigger storyline to me is sort of all right first of all i want your favorite memories of of john uh as a player and an exec obviously the three super bowls are going to be up there but also sort of Big picture legacy versus what his legacy's become in this town. Because I told D-Mac and Derek, I want to remember John Elway for the first 35 years with the Broncos, not the last five. And we should appreciate the three Super Bowls and not not dwell on, for as frustrating as it's been, the recent past. Yeah, and, and I think to some extent the, the last couple of years have even started that, right? Like, I think people, when he 
made the change and walked away, and they brought in George Payton. I think most people are like, thank goodness. Like, it was time. Yeah. I think what we've seen the last couple of years, there are probably a lot of people, myself included, who would say, I wish John had been in, char- in, in charge the last couple of years. Mm. I think they would have been in better shape because I don't think George Payton has done a particularly good job. Um, but, yeah, over the course of time, people will look back on it, and it'll be all the – all the fond memories, right? Like that's just that's human nature. That's how you always look back on on things. You remember the good stuff, and most people don't remember the uh, the the bad times. Uh, and you know what? It, his his tenure as the GM was basically split right down the middle. The first five years were great. The last five years were terrible. Hmm. And there's a clear line in the sand. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it was when he hoisted the Lombardi Trophy. After that, it was a mess. And it started with. Brock Osweiler leaving that March, and they didn't have a plan at quarterback. Like, it started um, right away, and then that draft class in 2016, I don't believe there's a guy on the team still from that one, which was not that long ago. Um, That was just a disaster. It just started down the wrong path. But what he did taking over after the McDaniels debacle, getting the, the ship righted, they were back in the Super Bowl his third year, and they won it his fifth year. The revamp. They got to the Super Bowl in 2013, completely based on their offense. And two years later, they won the Super Bowl with the best defense in football. Like, that's a Mm. remarkable uh, turnover of the roster and change of the personality uh, of the team. And he deserves a ton of credit for that. So I I just think, you know, when John's engaged and John's being competitive, he's great at at whatever he does. When he's not, he's he's proved to be pretty mediocre at, at best. So... Um, he just probably should have walked away once he accomplished his goal and not kind of stuck around when it just didn't seem like his heart was in it after they'd won that Super Bowl, Well, Yeah, no, and that's totally fair, and I think that probably goes um, maybe for the whole, uh, I don't want to call him ownership, but I guess the trust, right? Like Pat Bowlen had just stepped away a couple years before they won Super Bowl 50, and we've heard the stories about how they were able to take the Lombardi trophy to Pat's house and Pat got a B with the third Lombardi trophy and all of that. And then it just felt like we were stuck in litigation almost for years and years and years. And while John wasn't involved in the, the disputes between the Bolin family and the trust, that whole era maybe could have been avoided if John had stepped away earlier or if they'd been able to sell the team earlier or if Brittany Bolin had just taken over the team earlier to play devil's advocate. Like, it just felt like that was such a weird time in Broncos history from everyone of the the, the Bolin family and, and everything they were dealing with, with ultimately Pat passing away with the trust and all the litigation, and then with John's heart not really being in it anymore. I mean, maybe we just discovered the reason why the last five, six years of Broncos football have been so painful because, yeah, there's been a lack of talent at the quarterback position, but there was so much else going on distraction-wise that was not related to putting the best football team out on the field. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, to some extent, they were a rudderless ship. Uh, You know, you can say what you will about Greg Penner, and he will – go down and it, so it better work out but he will go down as the guy who forced John Elway out that's another way to look at today yeah and not, I'm not saying that that's the the wrong thing to do um because I do think it was time but at least now they have somebody who will make those hard decisions and somebody who is who is clearly in charge and there really isn't a role for John now that they also have a big name big money head coach right like if George Payton's a GM and Sean Payton's in the building and Greg Penner's the owner 
what what voice does John Elway have in that building? What what, what would he need to weigh in on? What what tie is he breaking? Like I, I just I, I don't too see many it. cooks in the kitchen at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I just don't see uh, a role for him. And, and uh, was there a role when it was Vic Fangio? When it was Nathaniel Hackett? When it was coaches like that that were less experienced and less accomplished and didn't have the voice? Uh, in, in that building that Sean Payton clearly has, then, yeah, there probably was a role for John. It just feels like to do what at this point? Um, and, yeah, there clearly is now someone who will make those decisions, who sets the course. But, man, the Bolins are all gone. Joe Ellis is gone. John Elway has gone. Uh, it is clearly a new era of, in Broncos country. They've got a lot to live up to, to to have it be as good as what it was under Pat Bullen and certainly what it was under John Elway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we talked about this on the drive. What order would you rank the Super Bowls that John helped deliver to this city? My order in terms of most remembered, maybe most important. I don't know exactly how to frame the question, but I think people understand where I'm going with this. To me, James, it'll always be 32 because yep. that was when John Elway was – he was not Dan Marino, you know, to put it that way. He was going to leave the game of football as a player, as a quarterback, with a Lombardi to his name. And then, James, I would go to 50 because of what you outlined uh, about five minutes ago. For him to lose a Super Bowl 43-8 to with the greatest offense in the history of the sport and in a span of 24 months get one of the greatest defenses, if not the greatest defense in the history of the sport on the field, was remarkable to go sign Aqib Tlaib, T.J. Ward, and Demarcus Ware months after getting embarrassed by the Seahawks, not even, maybe six weeks after getting embarrassed by the Seahawks, was absolutely remarkable, and it sort of, sort of showed that John Elway, like Joe Sackick down the street, proved last year could do it in both ways, and then I'd go 33, and that's not taking anything away from 33. That was a special and remarkable year, but obviously it didn't have quite the significance of 32 considering they had just done it. No, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's the perfect order. Had they gone undefeated for 33, that would have been at the top of the list. But once they lost in week 14, I believe it was, uh, at New York against the Giants, it was just like, okay, it, 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 let's just try and survive through this. I mean, the America's game on that team is great, and Stink is featured on it. And he talks about how, you know, after they won Super Bowl 32, he, they partied all night, and after they won Super Bowl 33, he just went back to his room and fell asleep. He was just <laughs> exhausted from the pressure of trying to repeat. Right, right. And the excitement, I mean, the, the best analogy for it is, listen, it's going to be fun here in the next two months if the Avs go on a great playoff run and if they win the Stanley Cup again. It is. It ain't going to be as fun as it was last year. It's just not. not they as, won it in 21 years. Because it's not as nervous, right? right. They, they're playing with more house money this time around. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, we'll go to the parade, but it's not going to be as cool as last year's parade was. It won't be as well attended as last year's was. And it was the same thing with Super Bowl 33. It was it was awesome, but it also sort of felt like, yeah, we were just here. We, you know, we, know, we know this routine. We got this down. Um, and so, yeah, that is, that is the right order of them for sure. But... You know, the fact that the Broncos, have, they've never had a, a, a post-game celebration where they hosted a, hoisted a Lombardi trophy where John Elway wasn't at the, uh, up on the stage. Correct. So um, that's, some pretty, that's some pretty big shoes to fill. And, it, you know, that's quite the legacy. But he was, you know, again, and nobody's been able to give me one. Uh, find me somebody more iconic in the history of the state. I mean, they, there just isn't someone. No, no, I wouldn't think so either, although I did tell D-Mac and Derek, and I want your thoughts on this, that John's number one, and you're going, I assume by 
history of the state, you mean non-sports as well, correct? Yeah. I mean, uh, Zebulon Pike? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he's I, got a mountain named after him. I, I don't I'm not a historian enough of the state of Colorado to to give you a good but answer. We've never had like somebody that went from here to go be president of the United States. Right. Like if we had a senator or a governor or somebody who advanced to that, like, OK, that person probably would be the most iconic person ever from the state. Right. Like Illinois is the land of Lincoln. We don't have that here. No, we don't. But I told D-Mac and Derek this. And while I agree that Elway has won, and you're right that he's won probably in the history of the state, and that shows you how important sports are in the history of this state, Joe Sackick is he's in the same breath, James, because he has the same resume. He won two as a player and one as an executive, and Joe may get his second as an executive here in two and a half months. I don't think that would make him pass, John, because as Derek pointed out to me, we're a football city, we're a football town. We can also be pretty hockey crazy, and and Joe Sackick to have the exact same resume, which he completed last June, and look like he may still stack on that resume, especially if the Avs turn into a dynasty. I'm not saying that would make him pass, John, but I think that could tighten things up a little bit. I think if he's in second place, he's whatever horse was trailing Secretariat in the Belmont. I don't even think it's a close race. I don't know if that's fair to Joe, man. Uh, it's it's just that's where John is. That's just where he is. Like if you if you went out and let's say there was a charity auction tonight, and it was hey you can bid on playing around the golf with John, or you can bid on playing around the golf with Joe. I think John's foursome would would raise five times the amount of money. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the the clientele to some extent. You could have the biggest Avs fan in the world who would overbid, but you're right. Sure. If, if put it this way, here, here's maybe a better one. If John Elway and Joe Sackick, because the mayor races tonight, by the way, or there's some sort of primary tonight. There's some, I don't know. I was watching Nine News. There's some big primary thing tonight. I think they're getting it from like 14 candidates to two, James. I think that's what's happening yeah, I think, tonight. Don't you have to have like 50% if nobody does, then the top two are in a runoff or something? Something like that. I don't know. Point B. It's April. Why are they having an election in April? I don't get it. Because this is just to narrow the field. That's what I, I was trying to explain to you. Okay. And then I think the other two will go at it in November. I think we get from like 14 to two, and then those two are the final two. Okay. If I'm wrong, 303-713-1043. My point being, if John Elway and Joe Sackick were running for mayor of Denver, I think you're probably right that John Elway would get 70% of the vote and Joe Sackick would get 30% of the vote. There you go. There you go. And I just think, and that's no disrespect to Joe Sackick, and you're right, his resume is just as impressive, and he's done it in 28 years versus 40. So uh, I think that um, he certainly deserves to be in the conversation, but, yeah, I just – I don't think it's particularly close. I just don't. How many former mayors of Denver can you name? All right, let's go through this. So Michael Hancock is our current mayor, correct? Correct. Uh, John Hickenlooper, my guy. There you go. Two. Uh, Wellington Webb. Yes, I saw Wellington Webb the only time I was at the World Trade Center when we went up to the top floor to the, you know, whatever the restaurant was called up there. Wellington Webb was on the elevator. Wow, that's interesting. Odd, I know. Uh, and then you and I saw John Elway at the 9-11 Memorial before Super Bowl Forty Eight. Yeah, we did. Um, those are going to be the three because I, uh, my the late great Norm Early, uh, who I who I played high school basketball with his son, I believe was running against Wellington Webb, but didn't win it. If yeah, I, I that that would be correct. If I have that correct, Ugh. so I think Wellington Webb was preceded by Federico Pena. That's why you drive on Pena Boulevard. Pena Boulevard. Okay. And McNichols Arena was named after former Mayor Bill McNichols. All right, is I that, believe it was Bill. So do I, we have the way back? Do we have the last five in order? Then there's got to be. I think more. so. Gosh, how long are people mayor for? 
Well, McNichols was there forever. Pena was there for quite a long time. I, but I'm been. saying, did it go Hancock, Hickenlooper, Webb? Uh, was there another one in there? Uh, not that I can recall. I think that's right. I think that's like was, three mayors in like 30 years. That's yeah, crazy. I think, I think Webb replaced Federico Pena, and then I think it was John Hickenlooper, mm-hmm. and then I think it was Mayor Hancock. I mean, we got a Google machine right in front of us, but... Yeah, but I'm just saying that, I mean... Like, what happened to term limits? Like, we got term limits for presidents, but apparently not mayors. <laughs> All right, we got it here. Let's see how we did. Uh, current is uh, Michael Hancock. We got that right. Yep. Uh, for six months, Bill Vidal was there. Mm. I-, I don't know why he had to finish up Hickenlooper's stint. Was yeah. That, was Hickenlooper running for president or something then? Maybe. Uh, Hickenlooper, Webb, Pena, Bill McNichols. Look at that. From 1968. 1968 to 83 was McNichols, so he was there for 15 years. The others, Webb was 12 years. The others were uh, were eight. Hickenlooper, or sorry, Hancock's been 12. So, yeah, they, they have long stints. Oh, and then they're allowed back, to do it for more than presidents are. That's crazy. Back before McNichols was Tom Kurrigan, and before they built the current uh, convention center, everything was at Kurrigan Hall. So a little Denver history for you. All right, well, fun trip down memory lane. Um <laughs> I think you can vote for mayor until 7 o'clock tonight. So you got 35 minutes in the snow if you're listening. And uh, we'll see if John Elway and Joe Sackett get any write-ins on that ballot. We can uh, settle this debate. But I'm with you overall. John is the most famous person in the history of the state of Colorado. And today is the end of an era as he officially departs the Broncos in an official capacity. All right, coming up next, I wrote a column this morning at denversports.com that we just need one parade this summer for the Avs and the Nuggets, I'll take one. I want to hear James Merrill's reaction next. It's Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. So, James, I had an interesting conversation with KJ during the break. We were talking about opening day for the Rockies on Thursday. And I told him, you know, I'll be down there pregame, sort of on the field, checking out what's going on watch some of the game from the press box, all that sort of deal. But we sort of joked that last year, Russell Wilson threw the first pitch. We have heard no rumblings, none, zero, that there will even be a ceremonial first pitch uh, or at least a ceremonial first pitch with a celebrity. Maybe there'll be one with a, you know, a local person who has done something cool or whatever. There's all kinds of different first pitches, but... Is there anyone, and I mean anyone, because I'm going to take the Nuggets and Avs out of this because Jokic isn't going to go throw a first pitch right before a playoff run. McKinnon's not going to go throw a first pitch right before a playoff run. Is there anyone besides Sean Payton that we want to see throw the first pitch or that would really get fans fired up? Prime. See, this is why I ask you these questions on the air, because if Prime throws the first pitch, yep. that would be electric. Yep, everybody will go crazy. That that will be uh, That will be huge. So... I think he would be number one. I think Sean Payton people would be excited about. But you're right. Prime, Prime would be way higher than oh, Sean gosh, Payton. Oh, gosh, yes. Absolutely. I, imagine if they showed Prime on the uh, Jumbotron or the Nuggets game. It wouldn't be the lukewarm reception Sean Payton received. Absolutely not. The place would go bonkers. So uh, I, I, think he's, I think he'd be the guy. I think he right now is the biggest celebrity in the state. I don't even think it's close. Yeah, he's a bigger deal than Russell Wilson, for sure. Um, I wouldn't have... Obviously wouldn't have thought that seven, eight, nine months ago, but then the football season happened. Uh, Sean Payton, you're right. We saw him at the Nuggets game. 
Jokic, uh, he's very recognizable because he's a basketball player, so we Jokic get to see in the conversation. We get to see his either. face all the time. Whereas a guy like McKinnon, McCarr, Landeskog, like they could walk past a lot of people in the grocery store and they wouldn't know who they were because they wear hockey helmets. You know that that and they're six feet tall, two hundred pounds. They're pretty average sized guys. Right, you're right. It may be between Jokic and Prime for the biggest celebrity. Uh, currently going in Denver sports. I'm not sure who would get the warmer reception I, if, if they threw out the first pitch between those two, now that I think about it. I mean, because Jokic is, I mean, beloved, right? Back-to-back MVPs. He's at a different level. I think it's. I still think it's prime, but if Jokic was there, I think he would get a huge ovation, obviously. Uh, a couple coming in on the Ramoslaw.com text line, 303-713-1043. 8170 says the 30th anniversary, it should be Todd Helton. That's a very good guess that they bring back a historic Rocky, a Larry Walker, a Todd Helton, a Vinny Castilla, Dante Bichette, something like that. Well, if they're going to be, you know, if we're going to talk about history, then it should be EY. Opening day home run. Yeah, mile high and out of here. Yeah. Very famous call. Eric Young Sr. should be throwing out the first pitch. That'd be a fun one. Now, listen. The problem is they can't have the best player in franchise history because he'll be playing wherever the Cardinals are. Mm, Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, But I think, James, because we haven't heard anything, maybe we're in for a pleasant surprise or maybe we're in for absolutely nothing because the news that Russell Wilson was going to do it had absolutely leaked by this point last year, what, 36 hours before or 42 hours before the game slated to start? Uh, you know, I don't remember. I guess so. I do remember we were talking about it leading up to it. It wasn't a secret. Um, and, man, his first appearance at a Colorado sports event, he was, I mean, he was electric. He threw a strike. We thought we were on to great things. By the way, I just looked. Uh, we did learn about Russell Wilson throwing the first pitch two days before. Okay. It was on April 6th, and he threw on it April 8th. So we are two days out today. I, I do think the former player, given the 30th anniversary, um, I think that makes some sense. It's their 31st season, but it's the 30th anniversary. So I, I think that would make sense. Helton would be great. Um, obviously, who else is in that conversation? Cargo, Matt Let, Holiday. Larry Walker would be awesome. Larry Just Walker went to the be, Hall of Fame, yeah. Yeah, he's the second best player in franchise history. So if they could get him, that'd be awesome. Um, Helton, he's the bronze medalist, so he'd be good. That'd be fine. He's on the podium. I understand. Don't get, all, don't get all upset. I understand what you're trying to get me to do here, and I'm just not going to get all mad. Go down that road. So I do want to talk to you about this column I wrote today at denversports.com. Yeah. The headline yeah. is We need one parade this summer for Avs and Nugget seasons to be successful. And I want to give you my logic real quick, okay? Oh, my goodness. Okay. I understand it's two different sports, two different teams, two different goals. I get that. But as long as we gather downtown for at least one parade this summer, I'll be a happy camper. Because, James, from 2002 to 2021, we had a lone single parade. The Super Bowl 50 champion Broncos, our only excuse to get together, February of 2016, the only championship team in a 20-year span. So for a town with four major sports, 80 chances, we only got one out of 80 to win that title. The 07 Rockies came close. The 09 Nuggets came close. No one else got it done except for the Super Bowl 50 champion Broncos. I'm not going to be greedy if we get two parades in two years, can you follow that logic? Yeah, I can follow it. And, you know, I, I think if the abs win it again, it will take some of the sting out of the nuggets getting bounced. If that's the way it happens to go. So I get what you're saying. I just think if you could only have one, give me the nuggets all day long. Like the abs, we just talked about it the second time in a row. It's like, eh, but you know, you get spoiled quickly 
And it'll, you'll kind of be like, eh, I've already done one of these. Like, I don't know if I'm taking the day off. I don't know if I'm going to go deal with traffic. If it's the Nuggets, you will. Because it's, it'll be the first time in franchise history. Long-suffering Nuggets fans, uh, you know, that we're all fatalistic for a reason. Anything that bad that can happen seems to happen, especially for this team in the postseason. So that would be a crazy celebration. I don't know that a second consecutive Avs one would be a crazy celebration. Oh, I'd, it'd be half the attendance of last. Did year. you see the players last year? I think they would get just as crazy. They and, would, and those fans—they got just as crazy, man. Uh, I mean, I think you're underestimating how starved this town was for championships for 20 years, James. There was one well, in 20 years. Likes a good excuse to play hooky and go party, James. Right? That I mean, was from we're, when we're going to see it on Thursday. Nobody's going out for the baseball, James. From when you were 20 years old to 40 years old, or something like that, they won one title. <laughs> Maybe I'm, you know, maybe 25 to 45, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's like yeah. the prime of your sports fandom, and they won one title, and you're dismissing this as them? Two and two years, I wish it was the other team? I'm just saying if I had my pick, I would take the team that has never even been to the NBA Finals. They've been around since 1967. They've never won a title. If That's you, a long drought. If you, if you made me pick and said only one of the two can win it, I would agree with you. I would pick the Nuggets. But guess what, James? One of them's eight to one to win it all. One of them's seven to one. That's a seventy-one to one parlay. They're not both going to win it. And I, got I think a ticket that says they are. Uh, I hope it cashes for you. But I think you and I both agree. And you, for reasons uh, surrounding the head coaches, because I know you're a big fan of one, not a fan of the other. If I made you get in your time machine two and a half months from now, the Avs are definitely more likely to win it all than the Nuggets are this year. Yeah. I can envision it, and it's not difficult because I just saw it. And it's hard for me, as good as this Nuggets team is, and they have a chance tonight, and they should, clinch the first time in franchise history they've been the number one seed. So the the path to the NBA Finals goes through Denver, and with the home court advantage they, they have and have historically had, they should be going to the Finals. I just still have a hard time envisioning it. That, so that's what I'm saying. So that's why I'm saying if we're only going to get one this summer, one's a lot better than zero. Well, and I don't sure. think I don't think we can be greedy if we get another Az parade and the Nuggets fail us once again because that's what they've done every year in their franchise existence. Yeah, I mean, if my choice is between five hundred thousand dollars and a million, I want the million. But if it's between zero and five hundred thousand dollars, I'm not foolish. I'll take that. I'll take the compromise. I'll take the middle ground, the, the mean. But uh, I just, you know, uh, I'm going to be greedy here. All right, but let, let's put it this way then. If if the Avalanche win it all and the Nuggets flame out, like let's just say that's how it goes down. You bounced in the first round by the Lakers. Was it a successful basketball and hockey season in Denver? It was a successful hockey season. It was a disastrous basketball season. No, but just as a Denver sports fan, considering you had one title in 20 years, like I like all these teams the same. If we get one parade a year, James, I'll take us progressing no. at that clip. That's a good That's a good thing of momentum. We might become Boston with the kid who had the, I've been to 15 parades and I'm seven years old sign. <laughs> Here's the thing. In 20 years, in 20 years, if, that, if it goes that way, you will be talking about, the first time, the, the, the Avs title a year ago, you won't talk about the second one, just like we very rarely talk about Super Bowl 33 around here, and you'll be talking about how the Nuggets let it slip away. Their best ever chance to win it, and they let it slip away. 
That's what you'll be talking about. That's what you'll remember. You won't remember the second parade. All right, well, let's talk about this a little bit more. But real quick, I want to give a shout-out to Steph on the text line because she made a great point, James. She said, you know, you guys are mentioning all men for this first pitch. What about Michaela Schifrin? Just had her 87th World Cup record-setting win. The crowd would be pumped. She just got welcomed back in Vail the other day. I think it'd be fun to see Michaela Schifrin at opening day on Thursday at the Rockies game. Sure. I mean, arguably the best athlete to ever come out of the state. Yeah. Do I think, though, that that would get people fired up quite like Prime would? No. If if, if Prime's walking around the concourse at Coors Field, it's going to cause a buzz. It's going to cause a stir. If Jokic is, it will, too. If Michaela Schifrin is, it just won't. It just, it's just... She's not that not that well recognized. She lives up in Vail, like she's a ski, you know, a skier. You got all the gear on. It's kind of like with a hockey player, right? Kind of hard to see necessarily what they look like. So I think that that would be a worthy person to do it. I don't think it would get the reaction that some of these other names would. Yeah, I think those are fair points. But I, I just think if it's going to be no one or a name we all know, like get a name we know. I mean, come on, you know, like let's. Let's get someone down there, right? There let's, aren't a lot of celebrities let's call, in Colorado. Let's call Prime. Let's call Sean Payton. Let's call Michaela. Like, I, I want I want first pitch on opening day to be meaningful. Payton would be fine. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning would be great, too. Although, he threw one at the All-Star game. It didn't go so well. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. He's a quarterback, and he can't throw a strike uh, on, a, on a first pitch. We should ask Stoke if he's sensitive about that. <laughs> Like if that, I, mean, I would be, wouldn't you be? Yeah, like if he's he's honestly waiting for his second chance, right? I just have a feeling if I went out there, I would, you know, I would try and get up on the mound and try to just whiz one like George W. Bush, and I would end up hitting Dinger. It would, it, I, oh. I, the release point would be off. I, like, that would be nerve-wracking, man. All right, coming up next, I do want to tell you why I think the Nuggets are more likely to reach the mountaintop than the Avs, and Michael Malone, 100%. Got to be hearing all the noise. A lot of good feedback coming in on the rhombuslaw.com text line 303-713-1043. Got another 10 minutes or so. Let us know. Who do you want to see throw the first pitch? 20th and Blake. Rockies home opener on Thursday. But James, I told you before the break, I will watch both upcoming playoff runs with equal amounts of enthusiasm, but for different reasons. Because the Avs are playing with house money so fresh off a championship that another one this soon would be a luxury and the Nuggets... They've got all the pressure in the world on them, desperate to to break through or a coaching change could be coming, perhaps personnel changes as well with, with no one safe except for Jokic. And that, I understand, makes it a little different about why you prefer the Nuggets win it all than the Avs, but I'm not going to get greedy. I will take either one hosting us our second parade in two years. Well, I think... I get what you're saying about the abs. It's house money, and nobody's going to be upset if they don't win it. Nobody's going to be calling for Jared Bednar to be fired and blow up the core and all, all the rest of that stuff. I get it. I would say this, though. I would caution that championship windows are short. Like, they go by in a blink. All of a sudden, you're looking at it like, man, this team was really good two years ago. What the heck happened? So any season when you're in the window, and clearly they are, has to be – maximized, treasured, you know, wh- wh- whatever you want to call it, because they're they're only going to be in this window for, what, three or four years? I mean, it's not going to last forever. So. Yeah, I mean, it's largely tied to how long Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon play at an elite level. So, yeah, yeah. three, four, five, six years, something like that. So, I, I think, and, and, you know, I'm, I want greatness, and to me, becoming the first team to win three Stanley Cups in a row, 
in 40 years would establish this team as as one of those as opposed to not that there's anything wrong with being one and done right none of us are upset that the broncos won super bowl uh 50 but you know oh they they, they weren't a great team or what didn't mean as much because they weren't a dynasty or whatever it was, still was awesome but i would rather have it be more dynastic so i i wouldn't just dismiss a, a season that's clearly in their window but yeah the pressure is squarely on the nuggets i mean they're 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 the it's the best team they've ever had in terms of seed in the history of the franchise. They're the number one seed. If you don't win it, I guess if you don't go to the NBA Finals is, is a fairer thing to say. If they lose to Boston or Philly or Milwaukee, I don't think anybody will be upset. It'll feel like the Rockies in 2007 uh, will still look back on it fondly. But if they don't get to the NBA Finals, there are going to be huge questions of why. Why did you fall short? And I think that's going to start with the head coach. And that should be, if they don't get there, that should be the guy that takes the fall, and that should be the change they make. By the way, good word, dynastic. Thank you. Yeah, that was very well done. And I agree because for as great as Nikola Jokic is, he's never reached the mountaintop like McKinnon and McCarr. Jared Bednar just got rewarded with a huge contract extension, while Michael Malone's got to be hearing all the noise because Michael Malone, we've talked about it, he feels like Bednar did last year. He better get the job done, James. Or else, dot, dot, dot. Well, yeah, if you're Jared Bednar and you can't get out of the second round when you have two of the eight best players in the in the, in the the league on your roster, that's on you, right? right? They're not going to get rid of those guys. So the pressure was squarely on Jared Bednar a year ago, as it should have been. There's nothing wrong with pressure and expectations at all. I, I would argue that the opposite is a problem, but having uh, pressure and expectations isn't a bad thing. It's on it's on Michael Malone at this point because if he can't, there's no excuse this year, right? The the one and eight in his last nine playoff games, even though he had the MVP on the floor for all nine of those games, he's got the built-in excuse of well, we didn't have Jamal for any of those, didn't have MPJ for uh, the the five against the Warriors, and he really wasn't right in the sweep against the the Suns. Like those built-in excuses are gone. What will be the rationale if Michael Malone can't get it done this year? I would not want to be Michael Malone getting called into Josh Kroenke's office. I just wouldn't because I heard, um, I think I heard the Zoakley show talking about it with the drive during the, the crossover today. What are, what are you laughing at? Uh, the way you say it, the way you combine their names. It just makes me chuckle. Oh, the Zoakley, yeah. Yeah, Z- funny. Zach and Stokely. I don't think I invented that, but I just have stolen it. I know. You ran, you run with it. You may not have invented it, but you're the owner of it. There you go. Uh Someone made the point, and I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but they said, you know, Calvin Booth wasn't the GM. He didn't hire him, so he may not have the loyalty to Michael. And someone else made the point, this isn't a Calvin Booth decision. If Michael Malone's going to get dismissed, it will be Josh Kroenke and potentially even his father chiming in. This will be a Kroenke family decision if Michael Malone gets fired if the Nuggets come up short. Yeah, George Payton didn't decide to fire Nathaniel Hackett. That was Greg Penner. Yeah. And it will be the same same type of a deal, um, and I and it, you know again going to windows like how how long is the window where Nikola Jokic is a premier player? Five six years. Yeah, he he signed the supermax last summer, James, and we've we've discussed it. That could be the last big contract he ever signs in the NBA. He may right. just go uh, hang out with his horses and take his MVP trophies. He, <laughs> you you need to win a Larry O'Brien trophy with Nikola Jokic. You do. Yeah, and you're running out of time to do it. Is as crazy as that may sound, so you can't waste another season of Jokic in his prime uh, because you like Michael Malone. You just can't. By the way, we'll close with this from Matt on the Ramoslaw.com text line. He goes, guys, 
How about John Elway for the first pitch? I think that'd be great. On a day where we get the news that John Elway has left the Broncos in an official capacity, likely forever, it'd be nice and symbolic to see him throw the first pitch at uh, 20th and Blake on Thursday. And that would be very, very cool. And he would get a, a rousing ovation as he should. Well, shout out to Matt for the obvious suggestion. We spent 25 minutes talking about John Elway, uh, us finding out today. That is tenure with the Denver Broncos after 40 years. That chapter is closed. All right, James, good job for KJ. I'm Will. Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station. 104.3, The Fan.